Welcome to The Resonance, the podcast about the energy industry from Alpha Energy Group. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Alpha Energy Group podcast. I'm Jeremy Nicholson, Corporate Affairs Officer at Alpha, and I'm joined for my fortnightly catch-up on the UK energy markets by my colleague Jason Durden, Head of Energy Markets and Risk Management at Alpha. And and this week, uh, Jason, I think we're going to talk about gas and what's been going on or rather not been going on with gas flows into Europe. What's been happening? We moved into a what looked like a relatively quiet period for the market. Well, European markets were about 10% off of the recent peaks. And then uh, we came in this morning to the news that Velky Kapushani, the um, Slovakian entry point for Yamal into Transgas, was 80 million cubic metres down and uh, no one seems to know why. Obviously, that in an interconnected market has an issue. We've now seen uh, prices bang up by about 5% across uh, TTF and uh, UK MBP. Right, and to put that 80 or so million cubic metres a day into perspective, that's a, the, the pipeline's flowing at about 10% its normal rate, I think, at the moment. Is that right? Or yes. something like that. So it's and, lost and, about 70 MCM. Yeah, and this is at a time when you would imagine things should be easing in the gas market because, after all, the temperatures have gone up. A demand for gas heating and, to an extent, gas power generation will have gone down. And you might have thought we'd have been out of the worst of it. So it must have spooked the markets a little bit. Is there suspicion that there's something political going on here? Because, after all, that pipeline does travel through or next to Belarus, for example, and one is always a little bit suspicious about what's going on with, with Russian gas. Does that seem to be the explanation or does anyone know at the moment? I'm sure the big well-connected operators know. I think the rest of uh, rest of the market is scrabbling around a little bit. There doesn't seem to be any clear direction. As I say, this, this is breaking sort of uh, over the last few hours. So it could be something as simple as a trip. Volumes in the market are much lower at the moment than they would typically be. Um, have been for a, a few weeks and uh, it's easy to move the market around significantly on relatively little volume. I'm not seeing big volume going through for July, so it doesn't seem to be that there is a... I, I think this is just the market being very nervous and very wary. I mean, let's put it into context that UK customers can kind of compute. It's basically having lost Langerled at full tilt. It's having, you know, Langerled running at 100% capacity and turning it off. Right, and so that sort of impact on the European market has a knock-on effect on us directly, as you'd expect. Uh, but of course, you know, pipeline gas is only one source of getting gas into UK and the rest of Europe, LNG being the other. And, you know, what's happening there? Demand for gas high in Asia, I understand? Yes. So Japanese markers have been fairly flat, uninterested. But I think to understand that the Chinese are still very much buying LNG, and I think two reasons, spot cargoes, um, two reasons there. One, they have a coal shortage at the moment, which is really driving prices partly or, or largely because of their trade dispute with uh, Australia. So if you have a coal dispute, you have an appetite for gas, you have the heating or or cooling load season fast approaching in various parts of Asia, there is the ARB is open and uh, American producers with uncontracted cargoes will be sending everything they've got to Asia rather than Europe. And that obviously is a, a concern, but it is an underpinning of prices. It's saying that We've got an Asian LNG spot price assessed last week at 77 pence a therm. 
that is wide enough now at around 10 pence it was 15 pence at the end of last week to see that arb open in terms of cargo switching and it just suggests that perhaps the european gas has not today's current uh, excitement aside has found kind of a flaw whilst we're so dependent on lng and whilst the asian markets are still uh, actively buying Right, that's an interesting point because we tend to think of our market being driven largely by seasonal effects, which of course it is, and with UK demand below seasonal norms now for gas, there ought to be a bit of relief there for consumers, but other things are happening internationally, and that has an effect through LNG. But I gather there's some, been some more positive news about the controversial Nord Stream 2 pipeline, and it looks like, although not quite ready to go, it's not far off. Is, is that right? We heard, obviously, all around the whole uh, international politics, the whole G7 thing, wider. Putin was very active on Friday, putting statements into the market, which were generally just, um, you know, reaffirming that Nord Stream 2 is basically finished as an engineering project and uh, will be moving through the, um, the commissioning stages and going live. We still think that means Q1 22 for all sorts of reasons and obviously the Americans have removed some of their objections de facto if not in principle. But nonetheless, for consumers, at least in the short to medium term, it's good news as far as security of supply and the availability of gas is concerned. Uh, you know, it reduces some of the risk compared with not having it. And even if its impact isn't until the coming year, at the tail end of the winter period, at least it's better than not having it, I guess. And turning now to power, I mean, again, talking about seasonal effects, it's the time of year where solar is producing an awful lot of electricity, which is fantastic. Wind produces it some of the time, but not all. And we've just been going through a period, I think, of very low wind output. And presumably that's had an impact on the market. Yes. So we've gone from a ridiculously cold and uh, quite still in wind terms, May. And we've got into the sweet spot of a very seasonable, uh, sunny and uh, high pressure dominated early June. Forecast to continue into the next week or 10 days. And whilst that's great because temperatures aren't at the moment high enough to really kick into cooling load. So we are seeing power, uh, gas for power demand relatively stilted. We're seeing demand fairly low. But of course, we're not seeing any wind really of any note on the grid. And of course, solar, while solar is very productive at this time, I'm sure without stating the obvious, it's it's good during the day while the sun is shining. It doesn't really uh, give you a lot of flexibility in the system at night. That raises questions about uh, the sustainability of relying on a huge amount of, of wind, unless we've got storage facilities that can uh, you know, provide long duration output at a price we can afford. But flexibility in the system helps too. And I gather there's been some good news about the, the interconnector to the Netherlands. Yes, BritNed is finally up and running, exporting to the UK at uh, full capacity of uh, one gig this morning. And that really is quite helpful. It's been uh, the most unreliable new piece of infrastructure I think I've seen in a long while. I mean, it's been off more this winter than it's been on. But yes, that adds massive flexibility to the UK. Put it into context, that is uh, two, maybe three decently sized gas uh, CCGTs. 
Yeah, and of course it's a big part of the government's strategy for managing flexibility to have uh, more of these interconnectors available in, in future. So it's encouraging to see it back in operation. And, and lastly, a subject we often start with, carbon and what's been going on in the newly created UK carbon market. Have things been settling down there and what's the premium in UK prices compared with those for allowances in Europe? Well, I think they uh, they have, Jeremy. It was very interesting over the bank holiday period last week. We saw uh, some bays, uh, shall we say, positioning in the market talking about current pricing. Uh, at this point, it was after a week where uh, UKAs had uh, peaked above £50 uh, a megawatt hour. The spread had moved to 10% above uh, UK uh, EUAs. And uh, people were just genuinely concerned. So the, the Bayes statement came out and said, well, at current levels, it's automatic trip of the, um, the long-term average breaker and that people can rest assured there would be uh, additional credits put into the market. If prices continue to be of a concern to uh, the regulator, should we say. So that was dropped into the market while Europe was trading and we were all having a bank holiday. Sure enough, as the UK came back online last week, we suddenly see the uh, uh, the spread to EUAs move from sort of 7 to 10% to 3 to 5%. Well, from a consumer point of view, that's probably rather welcome news. It might be the right thing to have a carbon price, but having one much higher than your immediate neighbours or competitors in the case of businesses it can be a little bit uncomfortable. But of course, part of the context of this is the international efforts to ramp up action on climate change, which the UK government is especially enthusiastic about, and the new Biden administration considerably more so than the Trump one that preceded it. And we got the G7 leaders meeting in Cornwall this week. Climate change is one of the subjects on the agenda. Presumably anything that comes out of that could have the potential to impact on the carbon markets. I don't think the genie is going back in the bottle, Jeremy, on uh, carbon. I think uh, that ship has sailed to mix all the metaphors and for me high carbon pricing is now a fact of life and uh, I suppose a one-way bet really it's uh, I think you know part of the shock of the trend the doubling of the price over the last six seven months uh, slightly longer was really the influx of speculative purely speculative money so exchange traded funds etc on the European side the reluctance of the uh, politicians and administrators in the EU to want to do anything about it because because I think we come back to this. For me, in our position, we would say that industry and large commerce is not anti these projects and this is the way forward and this is the, the way to progress. The market and the speed, the market and the speculation in the market, the way that has moved, given that we're in um, potential or talked about super cycles or not super cycles, depending on who you read in terms of commodity inflation generally, I'm not sure that industry and long term business can cope with the speed of change. Uh, and I think that's rather an unintended consequence on the part of governments and uh, their regulators. Well, that's a sobering point on which to conclude, but I do agree with you, Jason. I think you'd be a brave person that bets against carbon pricing at the moment. I mean, up to limits, uh, admittedly, it's here to stay and it's a huge part of the future. And for consumers, potentially, it's a less costly means of decarbonising than some of the more interventionary alternatives. So thank you, as ever, for all, all your insights there. Really interesting. If you'd like to find out more, do have a look at our website, 
alphaenergygroup.com forward slash UK. And we hope you join us again for a podcast soon. 